Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, I am joined today by Dave Hendrick, and Dave Hendrick alone, uh, you may know from all of uh, his Anfield Index uh, work, and his Twitter is uh, popping, I believe, is the saying. That the kids I think that's, 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 that's what the kids say these days, Kev. I think it's lit. Oh, your Twitter is indeed quite lit. Um, we are going to stick to the new format somewhat. Um, so, uh, Dave, I know you haven't been on since we've changed things around. So up front, we talk about some of the stuff that's been happening um, a little more topical, a little more newsy instead of just like broad things. But something I wanted to talk about was not refereeing. Uh, it's already been a take that's been established as there were a lot of cards. But I think the more interesting conversation is about the fact that we've seen a lot of late and hard challenges. And I was wondering why you think we're seeing more of that. Do, do you think it's a lack of match speed preparedness coming into the season or people just relying on strength instead of technique? I, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on why this is going on. I, I actually think it's just because preseason's a complete waste of time the way teams are using it at the minute. Teams are only using it for fitness. They're not actually using it for sharpness. They're not working on patterns of play and stuff like that. They're only using it for fitness. Um, like the, the Gary Cahill one is the prime example. Um, like I know Chelsea have had a weird summer. And I'm not a big fan of Gary Cahill. I think he's hugely overrated. But he's never a guy that you expect to make Does a that. dangerous tackle like that. Right. That's just a lack of sharpness. And he's not sharp because Chelsea haven't been playing competitive games since May. And preseason games are never competitive games. But there are times when they do actually break into real matches. But now it's they just seem to be like... I don't know. It's just like they're using them just, just to get fit. And players aren't fully switched on. It's, it's it's a weird one. It really is. I don't know. Like it, there was there was so many yesterday. Like so many late unnecessary fouls. So many silly things as well. Like not just the late fouls, but loads of shirt grabbing from guys miscontrolling a pass. The ball bounces off them. Guy goes by them, pulled the shirt, and it's mm. pure frustration. And again, it's because the touch isn't there. In the first instance, so that that comes, that's a rust thing as well. That's a lack of match sharpness. So I do, I do think it comes down to match sharpness more than anything. Like Gary Cahill's not pretend to be a tough guy. The same with Cesc Fabregas. Like nobody's buying that <laughs> Cesc is a tough guy. I think the Chelsea players let them down, let themselves down massively yesterday with their behaviour. Him being the worst example, I thought he was a disgrace. He, he could have been sent off earlier in the game. Um, Fabregas? Yeah, I just, I, yeah. for the way he was reacting to the referee, um, I thought he was trying to bully the referee at one point into, into booking a Burnley player after he'd already been booked himself. He could have been sent off for that. The tackle is just stupid. And then how he can even have the, the audacity to turn around and have a tantrum about it. You've been booked, you've just ha- hacked your way through somebody. How are you not even, just, like, you should just walk off the field, really. Um, Chelsea let themselves down badly yesterday. That's something Conte is going to have to address really, really soon. Um, yeah. But it is, to be fair, Burnley looked, if not better, at least very competitive even before the red card. 
They like did. Chelsea were not blowing them away. Burnley were the better team from the minute the, the game started. Chelsea took yeah. over the game in the last, what, 15 or so. As soon as they went down to nine men. Down to nine men. Burnley were like, we're 3-0 up, these guys of nine men. We're sitting back here. There's no point in any of us getting injured. Let's sit back. Let's contain. Chelsea get two goals back in. They obviously had another goal disallowed, which if I was Andreas Christensen, I would have punched Alvaro Morata so hard in the throat after that game. Because that's a perfectly good goal if Morata doesn't try and be greedy and steal it. Um, mm. So just Chelsea should have cut a point, um, but Morata, Morata did what Nani did to Cristiano Ronaldo many years ago. Ronaldo had that unbelievable bit of skill, chipped the keeper, and Nani comes in from an offside position <laughs> and gets the final touch. Morata yeah. does the same to Christensen, but I think it is. I think pre-season it's become more about. Um, fitness it's become more about running being able to run long 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 runs and not so much about what it used to be about which was match practice match sharpness um, you know working on your technique and your patterns of play maybe that's just the new era of managers though I I think Mm. tactics are less prevalent in the game today than they were say 15 years ago which is interesting because going into last season and most of them are still here the whole argument was like all of these great managers are finally in the premier league so you would have expected that to boost if anything yeah but i don't think i don't think they're great tacticians i think Mourinho's got one maybe two real tactical plans and they're very basic one is we park the bus and the other is we park two buses um conte i think is a is a decent tactician but his ability lies in his organization his preparation, his motivation. That's where he, he's great. Um, Klopp is a man manager. He's a great motivator. But again, I'm not sure he's a fantastic tactician. I think Pep is a good tactician. But I also think he's a little bit of a dreamer. And he wants footballing perfection. Um, and maybe he doesn't have a pragmatic side that will enable his teams to just dog out results. I think the best tactician in the league is the youngest of the group, Pochettino. And I think we're only seeing that beginning to evolve with him now, um, where Spurs have two, three, four different ways they can set up and play. Mm. But Poch is a half decade younger than any of these. He's 10 years younger than some of them. Yeah. So for me, like if I was looking at those guys and thinking, well, who would I want for the long term? I'd, I'd I'd want Poch. In the short term, I'd want Klopp or Conte um, because Mourinho is too boring for me. And I love Pep. I, I think Pep is a genius, but I just I think maybe he's too much of a genius. I think he's always going to be chasing that perfection. Um, but if I was looking for a long term, if I couldn't get Diego Simeone, it'd be Poch that I'd want. Mm. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good Argentinian managers knocking around at the moment. Also, great seeing Bielsa actually take a job and then be there for week one. Yeah, it's fantastic um. actually managing a football match again. Yeah. Who knew that was part of being a manager, actually signing a contract <laughs> and following through to the first game? Yeah. Tremendous. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, worth keeping an eye on. Uh, League 1, a lot of interesting storylines in there. After For a couple years, it was kind of, not as interesting, but that uh, with what's going on with Nice and all their reclamation projects, mm. Monaco and who they have left is still interesting. PSG now have Neymar, 
Um, now you have Bielsa back in there. It, it should be an interesting league to follow this year. Yeah, I think it's um, going to be fun. Yeah, I definitely agree uh, with you there. Who were you most impressed by this week? Obviously, Burnley against Chelsea was the big one. First time a title holder has conceded three goals and lost in the first match. But also Huddersfield coming up. Uh, Jake mentioned last week that a lot of people were sleeping on Huddersfield and that that's the quickest way to lose is with their speaking of tactics with David Wagner there um, that he, he does a very good job of undoing teams that are set up in a way that is strictly to attack them, that they don't expect much resistance from Huddersfield and that they do they do offer that Crystal Palace, unfortunately, on the downside of that. But uh, either club or player or both, who were you most impressed by this week? Um, I think team-wise, I think Huddersfield, I think it's very impressive to come up and perform the way they did yesterday, especially against a fairly decent team in Palace who've got a good new manager, I think Palace need to spend, and I think if ever there was emphasis that they need to go and just pony up the cash from Amadou Sacco, I think it's yesterday. Um, Scott Dan just looked like he'd never seen a football pitch before. Um, so I think Palace have work to do. But yeah, so I was impressed by, by, uh, by Huddersfield. Um, very impressed by Sam Vokes yesterday for Burnley. Thought he really held the line really well, worked his channels brought his teammates into the play and he, again what, what really impressed me with a striker up against the back three is having the ability to play against all three of them and been able to cause all three problems and he that's exactly what he did yesterday he was able to cause all three members of that back three problems he was able to pull and drag them out of position bring his teammates into play got himself two goals had another goal disallowed as well um so i think all in all, you have to be really impressed. I was impressed with your lads today. I thought um, I thought John Joe Shelby uh, showed why he's not fit to be a captain. And that mm. kind of gave you guys the boost you needed because it was a little bit of a... It was plodding. A, a bit of a plodding performance. But that's why I, that's what I love about, about Spurs is you guys can play can play poorly and still win. You guys, you, you guys are pretty poor for about 60 minutes today. And, yeah. and then you turn it on. And that's the sign of a really good team. And um, the best thing about the way we play poorly is we were never really under threat. No. Well, that's the thing. You can play poorly, and if you play poorly, worst case scenario is you're going to get a nil-nil. Because yeah. you got, you just don't concede goals. and you Which know, is important. Especially when you look at the fact that yesterday you're missing your first-choice defensive midfielder sitting on the bench... Um, and both your first choice fullbacks are out. One is well, sorry, one is gone. <laughs> His replacement is out in Trippier. Um, you've got a kid playing right back. You've got Ben and Davis. Sunder Lamella equals Sissoko. Yeah, do you know, like Sissoko seems to have just decided he needs to play uh, real football this year. Now, whether I didn't, I thought he was fairly terrible today. Maybe Potch was just giving him a chance to go back and prove Newcastle fans wrong, but. I think he he, uh, he compounded their views on him, if anything. But I mean, I, I just I, I love the way Spurs play. I love the fact that you guys can play badly and you're not going to lose because you just don't concede goals. You've got yeah. the best defense in the league, and from reports, you're on the verge of signing Davinson. Davinson Sanchez, who is an absolute monster, potentially one of the five or six best defenders in the world. Um, in two to three Eventually, years. Eventually, right? In two we're, to three years, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if he comes in now, he's starting now. 
Like, let's be... You're going back three. You think that forces us back three? Oh, I think it has to. I think it has to. You can't leave... If you've got him, Toby, and and Vertonghen, you can't leave any of them on the bench. I think what it might be is you go back three now, and if Toby won't sign a new contract, he gets sold next summer. Mm. And maybe Vertonghen does as well because of his age. But you're starting that process of replacing them. But you yeah. have to. You go, you go Sanchez on the right... Toby in the middle, yeah, on Vertonghen the left. on the left. Um, you, you've been linked with uh, Cancelo, the Portuguese right back yep. as well. He comes in, perfect wing back. I, who knows what happens with Danny Rose? There's been talk that United would like Danny Rose. Look, if you guys got Luke Shaw and some cash, Luke yep. Shaw's a better player than Danny Rose. Danny Rose well, the, the thing that I think player. is really funny is I think, uh, and somebody mentioned this to, to me on Twitter yesterday, and I thought it made a lot of sense, that our Martial bid mm. was retaliation for their Rose bid. Yeah. But like yeah. That, if, if, if you guys really want to stand your ground, stand your ground and say, we are not giving you Rose unless you give us Martial. Yeah. Um, Actually, this is a really interesting entry point into a question I have for you about Liverpool, which is, for us, um, I thought he was gone after I first saw that. Um and then I was very surprised that the next day, Mauricio Pochettino said he apologized to everybody, and you know the the apology was made public like 20 minutes before yeah. the press conference started. But um, he said that he had apologized to everybody, and I thought there was a really interesting tidbit that I would not have thought of myself. And in that press conference, Mauricio Pochettino referenced the fact that he has been a player that was hurt, and that you can really get inside your head and go a lot of weird places mentally yeah. during that stretch being removed from the pitch. Um, and so basically it was like, hey, don't say that. But, but you also, know, there's, there's other it. factors here, Kev. Like, he's been your starting left back now for, what, three, four years. Since Benny left. And on the opposite flank, Kyle Walker's been the starting right back for about the same length of time. Okay. Maybe, but, you know, so... He's just uh, seen uh, Kyle Walker. Walker just had the one more year because of the Rose loan to Sunderland. To Sunderland, that's right. But he's just seen Kyle Walker get a move to Manchester City that is has doubled, if not trebled, his wages. Yep, and is closer to home, which is a big thing for it, both of them. Exactly, they're both northern lads. So, but he's probably looking at that and thinking, he's not a better player than me. Now mm. he's on double or treble the money. He's probably looking around the dressing room as well. And, and like you say, because he's not playing, he's got all this extra time to think about these things. And he's probably looking at Sissoko and thinking, how are they paying you 100 grand a week? Yeah. You're awful. And he's probably looking at Eric Dyer and thinking, you're not even one of our 11 best players. How are you getting more money than me? Mm. And he's probably gone through every single one of them. And he might look at Toby and go, yeah, okay. okay. And, and, and <laughs> right. Toby, Toby, I think, earns a little bit less than Rose. Um, probably looks at Vertonghen and thinks, well, you used to be captain, you're probably a better player than me. That's fair enough. Looks at Hugo Lloris, same thing. Looks at Wanyama, same thing. But he's probably looking at a couple of these guys and thinking, how on earth are these people earning more money than me? Yeah. I'm England's best left back. Sissoko's on 30% more. Yeah. But he's England's best... Le- no, he's, he's England's best left back, but let's put that in context. England don't have a very good left back. They don't have a very good right back. It, Walker's just a good player. He's not a great player. Yeah. Well, it's the same he, way that Kane is the best forward. You can argue that others Kane's may, the may best not be more talented, Daniel but he Sturridge. stays on the pitch. Yeah, exactly. Kane's the best forward because Daniel Sturridge is injured. Um, Always. Daniel Sturridge is the most talented. Kane is the best because 
the greatest that's a very fine distinction that I yeah because the greatest ability you can have is availability and if you yep. can't be on the pitch you can't claim to be great harry kane i know he's had a couple of injuries the last couple of seasons with the ankle and whatever but he is out there playing 30 games in the yep. league a season 40 45 overall Harry Kane has earned the, the slot as England's number one striker. Um, yeah. As Rose has. As Rose has, as Dele Ali has. Um, these guys have earned, have earned their place, and they deserve to be paid as such. Uh, Spurs are very clever, and they've, they've really done well to put this team together. Um, and I know the reason they've done it. They've, they've brought the wage bill down from where it was when Redknapp was there, obviously, and you're just throwing money around like it was going to be fashion. Like, it was ridiculous. Like... I used to hear, you know, 10 years before that, Spurs fans complaining about, oh, Arsenal, and they spend too much money and they pay all these players. When Saul Campbell went, for example, oh, they pay him all this money. And then, like, the hypocrisy of it, because, like, you get the Champions League under Redknapp and next thing it's rain and tenors, like, money for everybody. Modric. Yeah, you know. Bringing in Adebayor. Yeah, and it's just not sustainable for a club like Spurs. When you're trying to build a new stadium and not, you know, completely hamstring the financial future of the club. Right. So they've done this, like, Daniel Levy is very, very clever. And obviously he's got great support from your owner. Um, so he's brought the wage bill down. He's set in place this structure. And look, every player who's there signed up for that. And that, that was another great point made by Pochettino was he signed a contract 11 months ago. Yeah. And nobody forced him to do it. He doubled his wages then. Exactly. 30 up to 60. And that's so. thing. And a couple of years ago, he was playing at Sunderland, getting himself torn apart week after week after week by the likes of Raheem Sterling or any decent winger. Just went to Sunderland and tore him apart. He went back to Spurs. He wasn't particularly good in his first year. Then Pochettino got his hands on him. And it's the same yep. with Kyle Walker. Before Pochettino, Kyle Walker was largely seen as rubbish. He was just pace. He, oh, that's all he was. And, and, and let's Recovery be fair... Spirit. For the most part, that's still what he has. But he's he's learned how to harness that. And, and his, he this he has two things that I think set him apart right now, which is weirdly his high touches, like when a cross comes in, yeah, he can take it at like chest height with his foot and control it. And the other one is he the way he curls in front of defend uh, the way he curls in front of attackers when people try to play long balls to them. Mm. Because he used to just sit back and then use his recovery speed. Exactly. But, but, but he's, he's starting to cut off a lot of those passes. See, is... Rose is quick. Walker's powerful. Yeah. And Pochettino's taught Walker how to use his frame and how to use his muscles and his power. Yeah, he's... they don't make wing backs as big and fast as Walker. Kyle Walker's like a running back. You know what I yeah. mean? Kyle Walker yeah. is the build of a centre-back or centre-mid or a box-to-box midfielder. You don't find mm. many full-backs as big as that guy now. City are going to have two in him and Mendy, so that'll be yeah. interesting. But what my point is, Danny Rose needs to look at the bigger picture. If it wasn't for Pochettino, he probably be, wouldn't be at Spurs anymore. Yeah, and he um, came out and said he didn't want people to think that he only got good under Pochettino, which he basically did. He did. But I think I think that's the not on the pitch thing. I think that's too many people close to you. Yeah, upping you. People, like, are, people are saying you're a system. Def- That's why his mates are sitting around and going, you know what, This I'm reading on Twitter here, this guy says you're only good in a system. You're good yeah. in Pochettino's system. You'd be nothing without it. They're saying the same, because people are saying the same about Walker. 
true. And I think it's gonna. I think Walker's gonna get found out a little bit because I don't think Guardiola's any any good defensively at all. I, I think he will be fine as long as company is fit. So for about three games a season, <laughs> right? Um, because because also not just Pochettino, but Walker got a lot better the year Toby showed up. Of course, and, and then I he got even better when Wanyama showed up. Yeah. But Toby plays almost every game. Wanyama mm-hmm. plays almost every game. Vincent Company plays ten games a season. Vincent yep. Company's old now, and he's he's got major mo- like if you look at the injuries. When Yama misses games, he broke his leg a few years ago. He, that's when he misses games from impact injuries. The same yep. with Toby last season. When Yama's missing games from muscular injuries. Company, so, yeah. Or sorry, uh, Company's missing games from muscular. Injuries. Very different. Yeah, and muscles so, and tendons, all the stuff. Yeah, bit. you know, you're gonna lose. You, that that's something you're not gonna just overcome. Yeah. Um, so I, I think Rose is an interesting one. I I think. If you if you could get twenty million and Luke Shaw out of the deal, I would jump at it. Yeah. And you just turn that twenty million into into that into the Portuguese right back Cancelo. Cancelo. Yeah. Cancelo. Um. All of a sudden, like this season, they're not going to be as good as Walker and Rose would have been for you. True. But all of a sudden, next season, you've got better wing backs or full backs than what you had. And, and more money. And you've also got fifty million in the bank from what you got for Walker. Yeah. So, you know, then, then the same thing happens. You get Davinson Sanchez in this year. Say he costs 35 million or 30 million. Maybe next summer you do have to sell Toby. And that's fine because Sanchez just replaces which, him. Which, by the way, I think only happens if we miss Champions League. Yes. Right. Well, it just... The only thing is, with Alderweireld, because he's now pushing his late 20s, yeah, he might be looking at it and going, I need to get one massive payday. And he could, if Belgium do anything yeah. at the World Cup. Well, put it this way, right? If Liverpool get Van Dijk this summer, they're going to want another centre-back next summer. They're going to be paying Van Dijk about 180 grand a week. Mm. If they offered, if they went to Toby's agent and says, look, if he wants to come to Liverpool, we give him a four-year contract, 180 grand a week, he'll play next to Virgil van Dijk, would he be interested? You fucking better believe he'd be interested. Your turn, he's on, what, 75 grand a week now? Less than four yeah, million a year. Yeah. So he's not turning down nine million a year, which is what we'd be offering, which is what we're yeah. offering Van Dyke. And he is someone we looked at for this summer, but it just wasn't a feasible deal. <laughs> Largely because <laughs> Daniel Levy's a pain in the arse, and mm-hmm. you know. But next he's summer, he's like a deterrent when he it comes is. To but next summer, it is going to be a feasible deal because he's only going to have one year left in his contract. Mm. And and you're not going to be a club that will turn down sixty million for a guy who's 29, one year left in his contract. Well, let's see where the market goes, but you would assume so. Um, the, 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 sorry, <laughs> we got <laughs> way off on the Tottenham there. Uh, my original point about Rose was that I thought he was leaving, but then Pochettino forgave him, and so now he's probably staying. A somewhat similar, larger-scale issue currently at Liverpool with all of this Coutinho stuff. Mm. Is, is there a way back in for him? If if he does stay, do you think he isn't going to? Where where does the situation fall for you? And if he does end up staying and coming back into the team, how long do you think it would take for people to buy back into his presence? Oh, I think they would. I think the players would fairly quickly because the players are his friends. The players understand what you know what his situation is. Look, my understanding, having spoken to a number of people connected to the club, is the following. Phil Coutinho informed us in February that he would like to join Barcelona this summer. We were open to that possibility because we knew it was coming. 
Klopp kind of tried to work on him for a couple of months, but we were planning for him to go in the summer. In early May, it became clear Barcelona didn't have the money to buy him this summer. And Klopp and him had a conversation and he agreed to stay one more year. But that, to me, was on the basis that Barcelona didn't have the money to buy him. Because at the time, nobody thought this Neymar thing was going to happen. Like, this Neymar thing wasn't even been mentioned. Um, then all of a sudden, the Neymar thing starts. Then Barca have whatever amount of money they have left after taxes. And they, I, I believe they're buying Paulinho for £35 million. Of, which is just which is can't even <laughs> uh, what is <laughs> I, I'm very confused by, by how that's like all I can think of is that like they owe his agent a massive favour um, is this is this Barca's baby it, mu- it must be it must be like, there's no other explanation and I like the guy I, 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 he's a much better player than he showed at Spurs but or their scouting department has literally only seen him play for Brazil possibly I want that Paulinho stick. yeah that Paulinho is very very good um, but so it just depends on like the, all they have to spend is that name or money after tax after paying the bank a percentage because they're so much in debt that the bank could just swallow that money and say well tough you owe us 600 million we're just taking this uh, they've probably got a bit 140 million pounds left after everything now so that's what they have to spend that's pretty much our price but they're back in for him. He wants to go. A week ago, he told Klopp, I want to go. Klopp said no. There was a bit of an argument. Klopp stormed out of training and went home. Klopp refused to even consider it. Fenway Sports Group, the simpletons that they are, decided, right, Jürgen doesn't want to sell him. Here we come. Super FSG to the rescue. Start launching out statements. We will not sell under any circumstance. We consider this matter closed. Blah, 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 blah. To which Coutinho's people respond by leaking stories that they had a falling out, by leaking the tra- by putting in the transfer request, um, and then leaking. Was submitted, the- then wasn't submitted. Then well, was see, this submitted. is the thing. It was submitted the day before. It, it broke on the Friday. It was submitted on the Thursday. FSG. Is that the uh, email that we heard about? Or was yeah, that, that, that went in on the on the Thursday. It didn't go in mm-hmm. on the Friday morning. The statement was in response to that. The statement wouldn't have come out otherwise. Um, but we weren't going to make it known that he'd requested a transfer. We weren't going to make it known that he was refusing to train, which he is. He's refusing to train. We were saying he's got a back injury and there was no transfer request. James Pierce, Melissa Reddy, a couple of others were briefed. No transfer request. No transfer request. Fine. Next thing, his side leaks out. Oh, no, there was a transfer request. And it becomes a circus. Then... I don't know, some fourth cousin that he met at a wedding once is on Brazilian TV telling people, oh, the relationship's broken down. And blah, with blah, direct blah. quotes referring directly to his surname, which I thought was strange. Yeah, do you know, like, this is some guy, this is someone that doesn't know him. So that's all horseshit. But Klopp has taken this personally. And I think at this point, what I'm hearing is Klopp wants to sell. He wants just to doesn't sell. want that situation sticking around. Yeah, and he wants to sell now because he's lost trust in Coutinho. And when Klopp loses trust in somebody, he doesn't really allow them to earn it back. We see what happens yep. with Sacco. Yeah. So he wants Coutinho gone. The owners would sell at a price but aren't really willing to go back because they've just made a statement saying we're not selling at any price. They look foolish. They look weak. And because Liverpool fans are kind of strange, 
um, they'll just blame them regardless of whose idea it was to sell. And I don't understand why there has to be blame. Player wants to go, club are offering us. If they offer us £130 million for Phil Coutinho, I'm sorry, you have to accept that. You have yeah. to. And what do you, you feel do, any obligation to a player that's been at the club for as long as he has? Don't feel like any obligation to any way of the move. Um, in terms of no, I look. I'm not you, saying you should. I, I, just I don't at know. this, the, the only thing that makes it difficult for me is the timing. Like we're in mid-August. Like the if, season has literally started. Yeah, if this all kicked off in June, I would have been like, fine, happy days, sell them, best of luck, Phil, away with you, ter- you know, take care. I hope you win stuff in Barca. I was happy for Suarez to go. Mm. I knew Suarez. Everyone knew Suarez was leaving. We knew from the previous summer that Suarez was leaving that summer. And he gave us an incredible season. Arguably the best season any player has ever had in the Premier League. Um, He was ridiculous. As your lot found out. (laughs) (laughs) 5-0. Even Flanagan. (laughs) Even Flanagan has scored. (laughs) Um... So, I was happy for Suarez to leave. I would have been happy if Coutinho left in June. Because I was expecting him to leave. Because I'd heard in March that he was leaving. He was giving up the lease in his house. He was, you know, pulling his daughter out of school and all this kind of stuff. So, that's all fine. Or at preschool or whatever it was she was in. That's all fine. Then it turns out that, no, Barca have no money. So, he's now he's staying. Goes through pre-season. We're all getting excited because we've got Salah, Firmino and Mane up front. Now Coutinho's in midfield. He's going to play with Emre Jean. We could get Naby Keita. All of a sudden, we've got the best front six in the league, potentially. And now the Keita deal is stalled. And now Coutinho wants to leave. And it's just not looking good. But I don't think... I don't think you can blame him for wanting the move. And if they're willing to pay well above what his actual value is, because the market's so inflated because of the Neymar thing... And we know they have that that money. If 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 we stand firm and say 130 million, no instalments, no add-ons, one lump sum, cash on the table right now. I wave them goodbye. Take that money and go and go and attack clubs that have players with buyout clauses. Torino have Belotti. Inter have Icardi. Uh, Real have Kovacic, uh, Atletico have Jose Jimenez, the centre central defender. Go and get yourself one one of those strikers and Jimenez or Kovacic and Jimenez. You know, either replace Phil directly with Kovacic, bring in Jimenez to partner Van Dijk when he comes, uh, or go and get a number nine because that's what you were planning to do originally. Yeah. But if he stays, he stays. Like, uh, if he stays, he's gonna play. There's not club's not gonna make him sit on the bench. Like, you know. yeah. Like, well, I, I mean, that's that's the interesting thing though, because as you mentioned, it did happen with Saka. And as if we needed another comparison between Tottenham and Liverpool, Poch very much the same way, which is why I thought it was gonna go that way. Is we saw it with um, Bentaleb, we saw it with Ade, we saw it with Kapu, we saw it with Benny. Like, once you once, once you, you burn him, yeah. you're gone. I wonder if Rose initiated the contact afterwards, though, to apologize. Um, well, just just as a person that, you know, is at times in journalism, I, I don't like claim I don't like claiming to be a journalist because I don't have a journalism degree, and I think it's important to differentiate between writers and journalists. Agreed. But 
Um, as somebody that is in that industry, I, I do not know this for a fact, but this interview could have been done in June and held by the Sun until they thought it had maximum impact. Very much so. Very, very much so. This interview might not even have been done with the Sun. This interview, might was be, up. The, this interview might have been done somewhere else yeah. and, and they decided not to run it. And the Sun and got their grubby it. little paws in it somewhere. But yep. I mean that 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 was embargoed going into that night. Like that, there was rumors that there was something going on like the day before. Yeah. And there was rumors that it was actually about Coutinho because Talksport. Well, yeah, had, everybody had was trying something. to guess who it was for a good like three or four hours. Yeah, and there was rumors it was about Coutinho or Van Dyke. Or I I even heard Alexis. Yeah. That if you don't count the FA Cups, he wants to win real trophies. He's frustrated with Chelsea winning the cross town stuff like that. Of but. course, so he's gone. Fans. Do you think he leaves this window? Oh, Arsenal fans are full of themselves. <laughs> they're not, just, like, they're not turning down pieces. 70 or 80 million for a guy to sit, sit there and sulk for the year. Yeah. You know? A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. I just can't believe how many of these huge pieces are still to be decided. I know, it's crazy. And, and you look at Everton, and they are caught in the least enviable position. Because if they buy Sigurdsson now, they pay less for him from Swansea, because they still have Barkley. But then we can offer less for Barkley, because now they have Sigurdsson. But if they uh, sell Barkley first, then Swansea are going to ask more for Sigurdsson. So they, they're just like in this <laughs> awkward situation where they it's are. a lose-lose for them. And, and either way, they're ending up with the worst player, because Barkley's better than Sigurdsson. And it's not close. Barkley is substantially better than Gilfie Sigurdsson. He's definitely more rounded. He's, Gilfie's good at set pieces. He's a good passer. He's a better creator for he's me. A better even crea- though Barkley's creation mm, was much a, better last season from deeper. Like Barkley, let's not forget, Barkley has the same number of goals and assists over the last two years as Gilfie Sigurdsson. Mm. So, and Barkley doesn't take set pieces. So he's doing that from open play. So in terms yeah. of open play creativity, I'd, I'd take Barkley because have you ever seen Gilfie Sigurdsson beat two players and split a defence and pass? Never, like. Barkley also, does that on the regular. Also, we've only ever seen him play well in situations where he is constantly on the ball. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to happen at Everton because yeah. they've just signed Davy Class. I don't see how him and Davy Classen even works together. Yeah, especially if they're... Well, it depends on if they're trying to do three at the back, but if they're trying to do a 4-3-3, which I think suits their personnel the best, are you really going to play just Schneiderlin or just 
Okay. Address a guy who still somehow doesn't get the love he needs. I hope um, so. I and hope play so. Siggy and Clausen in front of them. I really hope so. I hope that's what they do because they'll get overrun by everybody. Yeah. Um, I I I tell you one thing. When I saw the back three, yes, I just started laughing. Yeah. Like I like Keane. I think he's good. But the idea of Jackie Elka and Williams playing as the <laughs> flanking defenders in a three is just <laughs> hilarious. Yep. Let them let them try that against Liverpool, and see yep. what Mane and Salah do to them. Um, yeah, it'll that is not a good idea. So, but you know, Sigurdsson is a weird one. I, I'm surprised it's still ongoing. Um, Barkley's a weird one. Oxley Chamberlain, you mentioned Sanchez. The Osel thing still hasn't been resolved either. Arsenal have a lot going on. I do um, think Osel stays. So I think he will, but I think that's more because he doesn't have any other option. Um, I think if another club had come in with a real bid, he would have been gone. Mm. Uh, you guys have obviously the Barkley thing from the other side, plus the Rose thing now. Yeah, and have, all the names are starting to come in for us. You haven't actually signed with anyone Davinson, yet. With Pape from Celta Vigo. Um, which rand from... which random right-footed pacey left winger will you sign this summer? <laughs> so you can so you can so you... originally from an African nation. Yeah, so you can sell them next summer. Uh, Ooh, how about uh, Intep? Could be his turn. Why not? Could be his turn. Oh, um, oh, they also have to start with an N. In G, in Kudu, in That's Tep. right. It's yeah. just, it's funny. Like, it and then eventually funny. sell them back to France where they do well again. Yeah. Because in G, and, and, well. and probably make a profit because it's Daniel Levy. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, look, if you guys get Concello and, and Davinson and keep everybody and then say add Barkley on deadline day, that's a really good window. That is like, so much money for us, though. I think it's two of the three. Is it, honest. though? Is it yes. though? Because well, because Barkley's the only theory, no. But, but Barkley's the only outlay. Barkley's the only outlay because you, you, the other money is coming from Walker. Yeah. You sold Walker for fifty million. Well, we are plus seventy because we also got the Bentaleb money this window. True. So you're up seventy million. Cancelo's yeah. going to cost twenty million. Fatsy, I think you got five million for him. So say yeah. seventy-five. So he's twenty million. Uh, Davinson's thirty. So there's fifty. If you get Barkley for thirty-five million, you've got a ten million net spend. You could, you could, and there's still a possibility you sell Musa Sissoko if you can find someone stupid enough. I honestly think you should start calling Everton and start pushing that Sissoko for Barkley swap because Ronald Koeman loves him some Musa Sissoko. He does. I think the fact that it looks like Velasi will be back by December negates that, though. Possibly. We could play but him on the left. You could Musa on the right. But um, like that's a if if that happens, that is a great window for you. If you got those three guys in, that is a great window for you. Yeah. Although Danny Rose may have to Google them. That's all I'm gonna say about that. Um, I want to ask you one more uh, Liverpool intensive question before we get to um, a version of Player Watch, which is you mentioned at the top of the show that you like Klopp, that you love having him short term. Also mentioned one of the downsides is that. If he's scorned, it's basically over with players. Mm. The big question that a lot of neutrals are asking right now is, why has nothing happened in defense? Do you just blame personnel that not enough people have been brought in? Do you think there is some responsibility at Klopp's feet for not finding a way to make the pieces he has work yet? Where do you land on how the defense has been the main issue during basically his entire tenure? His tenure, Rodgers' tenure... It's, it's down to the manager and it's down to the players. The manager's not doing enough. Um, the first thing you should do is just take them all, fire them from cannons into the sea, and then go and buy new defenders. Because, listen, Dejan Lovren is as bad a centre-back as there is in the league. 
Joel Matip is okay, but he's too passive. Um, Mignolet is like a, a scared little schoolgirl, won't open his mouth. Like he got bullied for two of the goals yesterday, but he should be screaming at his defenders to Robert get those. Like Mignolet, Mignolet yeah. got bullied for their their first goal and their third goal. He should be screaming at his defenders to get those attackers away from him. Um, Lovren got bullied for the whole ninety. I mean, Akako had him on toast, and then Gray came on and pushed him, pushed him around the place. So. Um, you know, and then you've got Jordan Henderson like embarrassing himself in the, the holding midfield role at fault for the first goal and the set. Partly at fault for the first goal because it was his mistake that led to the break that led to the first goal. Uh, completely at fault for the second goal because he doesn't track the runner. So, and that's the issues we've always had. Reina fell apart in about 2010. We haven't had a good goalkeeper since. Since 2010, we've either had Skirtle or Lovren, at times both, as centre-backs. Uh, we've always had one dodgy full-back. It was Glenn Johnson for a long time, then it was Jose Enrique, then it was John Flanagan and Glenn Johnson. Uh, last year, it was Jimmy Milner. Um, but the holding midfield role is, is so important as well. Like You've seen the difference Wanyama made to your team now. Wanyama replaced Eric Dyer, who was England's first choice in that position, and showed what a really good holding midfielder does. We had, for 10 years, Didi Haman, Momo Sissoko, or Mashkarana. Legitimate, top-class players in that role. For the last seven, eight years, we have had Lucas Leva, hopeless, Steven Gerrard, abysmal defensively, and Jordan Henderson, lost in that and role. And just not a defensive midfielder. Just not a defense. None of them are defensive midfielders. Never, ever. None of them were defensive midfielders. They got shanghai into that role and all they do is they charge at a position like idiots. They open the door, let everybody charge in at our defense. They're just useless. They're useless at the defensive side of that role. At least with, with Gerrard, you got something going forward. Henderson's not even offering that. He doesn't look fit. So that's where it starts. It starts with the midfield. Henderson doesn't protect the defence. It continues with the fact that our centre-backs, one's passive, the other's an idiot, and our goalkeeper just doesn't open his mouth and won't leave his line. So we have a lot of work to do. Now, this this is where Klopp comes in. He needs to be the one to replace these guys. Hmm. And he needs to replace them now. Like, if Southampton are, saying, are, are still dragging the feet... Go and offer seventy-five million, and let's see. Let's see how big their balls are then. Let's see them turn down seventy-five million cash on the table. Let's see that. Mm. Then I'll believe the nonsense that he's not for sale. Of course he's for sale. Every player you have is for sale at the right price. That's who you are as a club. It's who you've do you, always been. Do you been. think you should have invested more time in a potential secondary option? We have secondary options. Anyone so that says otherwise, we, we have Van Dyke agreed, right? We have Van Dyke agreed. They're dragging their feet. I'm with them. They're dragging their feet because you won't sell them Kevin Vimmer. You need to get Davinson Sanchez <laughs> in to sell Kevin Vimmer to them. So once you get Sanchez, they get Vimmer, we get Van Dyke. That's how this is going to play out. Yeah. But and it could be a loan from us. Which it could be. That's fine. Whatever it is. Yeah. Just. Hurry up and make that happen so we can get <laughs> our guy. 
Um, yep. Van Dyke comes in, he fixes a lot of the problems, but does he, he become captain for you? Oh yeah, okay. without quite. He's been promised. He's he's been promised the armband. That's one of the promises he was made. Maybe not straight away, but by Christmas he's captain. Henderson's out the team. Um, Henderson's going to be injured in a month, and he I think I did you see him yesterday? He looks he looks like he drank too much prune juice. Like he's a seventy year old man who drank too much prune juice and is rushing <laughs> to get to a toilet. Um, he's not. He's not a good enough player in that role. Uh, Emre Jean should play that role. We're, we're, we look still like Naby Keita is still the main target for that midfield role, but we ha- again we have alternatives. You don't look at your team and think I need a seventy million centre back. Oh, I can't get him. Oh no, well I'm fine with what I have then. Like there's not just one centre back. We didn't just sit down and look at all the centre backs and go, this guy's the only one better than Lovren. This guy's the only one better than Matt. <laughs> like you know. We we looked at and went of of all the centre backs that are better, this is the best one, um, and we have we do have alternatives. Like there's no there's no question we have alternatives. Don't need yep. we don't need we don't feel we need them, which is why they're not been leaked to the press. As you know, yep. Kev, the reason journalists get names of players that clubs want is because the club tell them. Yeah, it's from somewhere. It's that, from that's somewhere. a very important thing to know. For yeah. if you're at home and have never thought about this. Every story comes from somewhere. Yeah. It's usually either from the agent side or the club side. Or the club side. And the, and so, to, so and the, the agent majority won't release of information it if he thinks did. it's going to screw a deal either. Yeah. True. Also, weirdly on that note, um, I think that all of that Danny Rose stuff was sought out by him, which stings a little bit more than it could. Um, a, a paper doesn't come to you and just like, hey, we're interested in having Danny Rose talk about how frustrated he is at Tottenham because you don't know that. They probably sought him out to do that. Um, exactly. So is there any point where with your current center backs, I, I know you're very confident that this will not be your center back pairing for much longer. Mm. Is there any way that you can think of tactically or somehow that Klopp could protect this back line more with the players on offer? I know I know that in the past we've talked about how Sean is probably more of a box-to-box long term, but maybe plug him there to shield is there any combination of the players you have now that can make this better in the short term? Of what we currently own? Um, you could try Joe Gomez with Matip, maybe. Or go to a back three of Gomez, Matip, and Clavin. Um, that might be the best option. Is a back three of Gomez, Matip, and Clavin, and then Chan and Wijnaldum as a two in front of them. Um, but again, like it's not, it's not anything other than kind of mid-table level, you know. Emery's to need one of those players I want starting. I love Ginny. I think Ginny's a great, is, yeah. is a really good player. Why is he so underrated for you? I don't know. I think it's because people don't that. appreciate what he does. I think like, like he was poor yesterday, but people always go on about how poor he is away from home. But he's not. He just does a lot of. Kind he of just doesn't off... score away from us. Yeah, but he does and a lot of not off an the attacking ball midfielder to begin with. No, well, he's not for us anyway. He plays plays a deep role for us. Yeah. Um, he babysits Jordan Henderson. Um, <laughs> but like yesterday, like you know, you see people talk about all oh, the touches. He hasn't had enough touches. That's not his game. That's not how he plays for us. That's not that role. His role is to play off the ball, and you know, to do things one touch to do things quickly. A lot of his is just movement and, and opening things up. I don't know why people don't appreciate him. I really it's it's a funny one. Like it really is a funny one. 
Yeah. Uh, well, hopefully your defense can work itself out because the attack with or without Phil Coutinho is just insane. Um, as we saw yesterday. And the fact that you can just churn out that pace uh, so quickly is interesting. Um, what did you think about Roberto Pereira in his brief stint before getting hurt again? <laughs> I, I don't, I, he didn't really do anything. Um, I, I, he's a weird player. I've never been a big fan. I didn't like him in Italy. Really? No, I've never been a fan. I, he, he's one of those players that I always think is looking for an excuse to get off the pitch. Mm. I don't think he wants any responsibility. And, you know, yesterday was fairly innocuous. Now, I know he's just come back from a serious injury, so perhaps part of him going off yesterday was precaution. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I agree. Although we do typically tend to agree on player IDs and stuff. I, I've always thought pretty highly of Pereira and would have loved him at Tottenham. I do agree the mentality probably isn't where you want it, but I feel like the right manager could get that out. And Marco Silva could be that manager. It, it just... We'll see. But it I, I possibly your point because if he couldn't make it work at Juve, yeah, that's how is he going like, to make it work at Watford? Well, again, like Silva maybe is just the, the right type of personality that will work with him. Mm. Um, like Allegri tends to rub people the wrong way. Yeah. So... You know, we saw that with Benucci. Um, maybe that's why. Maybe, maybe Silva is because Silva's a ve- like. I think Silva's a really good good manager. I think they're going to be good this year. I think they're they're a solid mid table team this year. Watford. Um, yeah. I I have no concerns with them being in a relegation battle. And the the Gray deal was really sneaky. Chalaba was a good deal. Uh, Richarlison. They they basically took. And you know what? Bigger clubs may consider this in future. They filled their three biggest needs yeah. before the season started. Yeah. Do that. Yeah, I, I, I think that. Like, I'm not a, again. I'm not a big Gray fan. I think they owe. I think they've paid a lot of money for a guy that doesn't score many goals. Um, Will but, he score more goals than Agallo did? Yeah, that won't be hard. You know, like, right. but he fits their system. He he's, does. He's similar to Dini and, he will and pair Agallo. Well with Dini. Yeah, you know, so um, he he'll fit what they want to do. And Richarlison is high upside the same way Niang was last year for them. Exactly. And who, by the way, I'm stunned has not turned into anything. I, I was so high on him. It's a weird one. Um, I just don't think he has the right attitude. Yeah. But this and kid looks Chalaba like he does. You see him score. pairing. Sorry, Chalaba probably pairing with Kapu is a. Hopefully. That's a good pairing. That's a good pairing. That, that's a pairing that will cause a lot of teams a lot of problems. Nobody yeah. nobody is going to play Watford this year and have an easy game in midfield. Let's just yeah, put it yeah, that like way. Easy or fun points. You're going you're gonna to know that you've had a game. Yeah. All right, now into this week's uh, iteration of Player Watch, where we're going to talk about uh, who the man of the match was. Uh, was there an official one for, for Liverpool? And if so, do you agree with that choice? Um, it doesn't appear that there was. I haven't been able to find any information to tell <laughs> really? me. Really? They just didn't bother. But every outlet seems to have somebody else. So I've seen Firmino, I've seen Mane, I've seen Salah. Um, personally, I would have given it to Firmino. Um, goal and an assist and I just thought he was really influential in that second half won a lot of ball back as well I think his movement helped Mane and Salah um, so for, for me Firmino would have been man of the match I, I think he's going to be a huge player for us this year he's taken over the penalty duties which with a bit of luck will get him towards that 20 goal um, mark that everybody talks about as what strikers need to produce so I think he's going to be huge this season. I, I, no defender likes playing against him because he's just an absolute nightmare. 
but you know you see his movement the touch and the the lob for Salah's goal the little ball around the corner to Salah which won the penalty that he then slotted into the corner he he's just he's he's really really he's basically like if Luis Suarez was a really nice guy who instead of you know enjoying biting and tormenting people enjoyed month-long sessions with your friends uh of, of just getting blind drunk that's what bobby firmino bobby firmino is the party version of Luis suarez <laughs> um you know just in terms of the work rate the creativity the unselfishness uh, not as good a finisher but not not a bad finisher and i think this year he's going to prove himself to be a really really top player yeah um, for Tottenham, it officially went to Kyle Walker-Peters, uh, who did play well on his debut. But I think um, for any Americans out there that are baseball fans, you don't have to be an American to like baseball, I suppose. Um, but a lot of baseball highlights you see are outfielders making diving catches because they started their run the wrong direction when the ball hit the air. Uh, and that's kind of what Kyle Walker-Peters' performance was like today. He was beaten by Atsu multiple times, but then recovered well. Sorry, Kev. What is his name? Kyle Walker-Peters. Kyle Walker-Peters. Yep. Had a had a tweet kind of bang today that was, uh, he's only one, or sorry, there's only one Kyle Walker-Peters. One Kyle Walker-Peters. That is <laughs> just, that's actually hilarious. I didn't realize that was his first name. Yep. That's that is funny. Yeah, it's a good time. A, a great one that was a uh, uh like a Pokemon thing. It's like your Kyle Walker is evolving. It turned into Kyle Walker, Walker Peters. Peters. Yep. You know. It's maybe that's why Kyle Walker left. Maybe he was scared of this guy. <laughs> they already have another one. Um it reminds me of a oh, I really wish I remember his name. I'm sure everybody has seen pictures. There was a a player in our youth academy that looked almost exactly like Gareth Bale. In his like last year, uh, Kenny, Kenneth McAvoy, Kenny McAvoy, one of those. Um, but anyway, um, Walker Peters did do very well on his debut. Uh, but like I said, Atsu had the better of him a lot, and then it was his recovering that looked impressive, as opposed to, and I uh, can't believe I'm saying this, as opposed to Ben Davis side, where just nothing happened. And I think a lot of times that's more indicative of how well a defender has played. Because if yeah. there's just no action around them. For certain. Um, I thought Ben Davis had a good game today. Um, yeah. and, and normally he's the one scrambling to try and catch up with yeah. people. But, uh, yeah. yeah, very easy day for Jan Vertonghen as well. It was. Very, very resolute at the back end. They only had one shot on target in the first half. Um, so not exactly troubled. But uh, the person that was clearly and obviously the actual man of the match was Christian Eriksen, who <laughs> I mentioned last minute in our last fantasy show as well. Everybody wanted to be Ali because of the goals, and I get that. In fantasy, that is what you want. But there is no question that Christian Eriksen was our best performer in the preseason. And I know, as we mentioned, that a lot of teams do not take the preseason seriously, and I have been hard on Eriksen in the past on work ethic, but he put in the work in the preseason, and even when people around him were not up to their best, he was. He was still playing like they were competitive matches, and I think it showed from the off, he was controlling this match. And that has been one of my largest issues with Ericsson is he doesn't take control of matches. He tends to play well when we're already playing well. Yeah, he floats. He does, but that was not the case today. And and if we if if that is the step 
that Erickson takes this year, he will be in a similar situation to Coutinho next year. Yeah, because that's exactly Where, what happened with Coutinho, with Coutinho last year. He went yeah. from being a player that when you're when the team is playing well, he makes them play great. Um, but he's not the guy who, when the team is playing poorly, helps them turn things around. Turns it around. Right. And Erickson's been that guy for a couple of years now. And it's kind of, it's he, he had that at Ajax where he kind of stalled, wasn't able to take control of games, went to you guys. And for about six months, the, the last six months of his first season there, he started largely from set pieces, but he started yeah. finding ways to win you games. Then he Lock kind of like settled games. into this rut of playing very, very well. But because of the quality around him, he was kind of happy for the other guys to do a lot of the dirty work. And then he'd just sprinkle his stardust on it. And I do wonder if he's just kind of had a look around and thought, I'm I'm better than what people think I am. Like, yeah. He might look at Phil Coutinho and think, I'm just as good as him. And he and, has every right to. Ability. And he does, because talent-wise, talent he's right in that conversation. I love Christian Eriksen. Like, my biggest, one of my, like, the two biggest gripes I have transfer-wise with the whole Rodgers era is that he didn't, he wouldn't give the go-ahead on the Delhi Alley deal because he wanted to sign Fabian Delph. And he was told he, could, he couldn't have both. He's a moron. And the other one was he signed Luis Alberto who's currently playing for Lazio in the slowest midfield ever with Lucas Leiva, <laughs> when he could have had Christian Eriksen. Yeah. So we could have had both of those guys. To buy either of them now, like, I mean, you're looking probably 60 million for Eriksen and yeah. probably 80 to 100 million for Ali. And we could have had Ali for 5 million. And I think Eriksen was like, what, 11 million or something you guys yeah. paid for him in the end? You know. Yeah. Yeah, those those went well for us. The the converse the the con oh, wow I don't know I don't think that's how I say that word. Conversely, um, the one that was like that for us was um, Redknapp not even bothering to open negotiations with Suarez because he thought he played too similarly to Vandervaart. Yeah, yeah. He's like no. <laughs> We're like uh, I'm guessing sure? he hadn't actually seen him play. That is not a bad shout. Although uh, he he was part of one of my favorite moments ever, which was when we were originally linked with Gonzo from Brazil. Mm. There were rumors that we were like close to signing him. You, you know how that telephone game works with transfer rumors? Yeah. Like one person says they've like reached out to ask about and then like an hour later it's like ah their deal's almost done. You're like no. Um and it was one of my favorite moments they asked him if they were close to signing Gonzo and he just said I don't know who that is. <laughs> just straight up. You know, who like, is that? I have no idea. We've had that uh, in the past as well. Like we we were been linked with a guy uh David Pizarro um, I think yep. he was a Chilean midfielder playing mm. in, in Italy. And according to reports, we were right on the verge of signing him. And then they asked Julier. No, it wasn't Julier, sorry, it was uh, Hodgson. Mm. Roy, recent reports suggest you're about to sign Pizarro. Oh, Claudio Pizarro is a great striker, but we've not shown any interest. He didn't even know which Pizarro it was, <laughs> which goes to show you that most of what you hear in the press and all that is just utter rubbish designed to sell newspapers and fill column yeah, inches. Because this Davinson Sanchez deal or rumors broke. You guys have been talking to them for over a week. And it broke because they commented on it. Yeah. The same with the Cancelo stuff. That's come yeah. from Valencia, because 
Daniel Levy works in the shadows because he's a shady MF. <laughs> it's true. And also, we put in early negotiations and bids for almost every player we're interested in. Like, that's that's how our transfer business is operated. Exactly. So the, it's very easy for people to get attached to one and then just run mm. with it and but start that cycle we were just talking about. That's like, it. I, I, they've offered for Ricardo Pereira. Close to signing. You're like, no. That's mm. literally how we do this every time. Exactly. You, what you guys do is very, is very simple. You identify, be it three or five targets for each position, and yeah. you make the exact same bid for all of them. And then you see how the responses are. <laughs> Who's the least offended? <laughs> who's the least offended? And who's... Because obviously you're going to... Say, say, for example, you've got five right backs. You offer 15 million. You might get three hard no's. Not and even the interesting. Someone comes back with 20. And someone comes back with 25. Well, now, now you know who you're going for. You're going for those two. The hard no's are the hard no's. They're the guys it's going to cost 30 and beyond to get. Yeah. With 20, you can work with 20. With 25, you might get it down to 20. You might get it for 22.5, and maybe you'd prefer that guy. And but it becomes add-ons or something. Exactly. Yeah. That's how Spurs work, and that's how Spurs have been successful. Like, yep. the whole thing with, with Alderweireld, when it all kicked off with Hampton, was you guys had put in bids for Alderweireld and a number of other centre-backs, including one Victor, or, uh, Virgil van Dijk. Yep. But you made a decision to take him... Alderweireld. Was Van Dijk at Celtic the same year as Southampton? Yes. Mm. So you bid for him from Celtic. But you got Alderweireld for less than what Celtic were asking you for Van Dijk. Which was 12. Which is 12 million. You could have actually had both that summer for 25. And it's funny because there was rumours that summer that Barcelona wanted uh, Jan Vertonghen. So... There were, yeah, because that first year he made Team of the Year. He was team, he was brilliant. He was absolutely yeah. brilliant. So there was rumours that you could have sold Vertonghen and bought Alderweireld and Van Dijk. And we're probably sitting here with Spurs as the league champions if that if that happened. So you put those two with Wanyama in front and Lloris behind. <laughs> and everybody else is just chilling like, we'll, we'll score one and the lads will take care of us. Like. Yeah. We'd somehow be better than still the best defence in the I Premier know, League. I know, it's crazy. Yeah. All right, well, we have uh, gone on plenty long enough for the listeners, I am sure. Um, but always a pleasure speaking with you, Dave. Uh, tell the folks where they can find you. Uh, Anfield Index. Um, generally just talk about Liverpool, uh, but I also talk about basketball. I've got a podcast called NBA Holes, and I've got an MMA <laughs> podcast called MMA Monthly. Um, so they're out this week, and uh, my Liverpool podcast is out. was out yesterday, I think. Hmm. I just record them. Other people do the rest. <laughs> Fair enough. I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. Uh, you can find my fantasy writings over at uh, goal.com. We'll have the team of the week up probably by the time you're listening to this. Um, also, be sure to check out our championship show and our FPL show. Uh, the championship show also should be up around nowish uh, by the time you're listening to this. And the fantasy show goes up on Wednesday mornings, UK. All right. Thanks again, Dave. Always a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll speak soon. Take care, Kev. Thanks a million.